0: Today, the 12th of September,
1: at approximately 2.15 p.m., a Toronto police officer who was training in our region, the Region Appeal, stopped in the area of Argentia Road and Winston Churchill Boulevard, and while on lunch break, he was shot in an unprovoked, and may I say, in an ambush attack, and succumbed to his injuries.
2: A Toronto cop ambushed and killed eating lunch. A broad daylight killing spree. Are those in charge now going to do something about gun crime? Alex Spears, with you on what is turning out to be a very busy Tuesday, September 13th. Great to have you here with us in just a devastating chapter unfolding with news about this Toronto traffic cop. Constable Andy Hung, a 48-year-old married father of two, who we now learn was shot and killed eating lunch at a Tim Hortons in Mississauga. It is absolutely horrifying. It is beyond angering. But should any of us really be surprised that an officer's now been targeted and killed given the daily barrage of gun crime that we tell you about across Toronto and the GTA? Because we talk about the escalation of gun violence every day. I mean, there are so many shootings now. We actually don't report them all because we can't keep up. And you might recall just hours before this officer and another father of three would be shot and killed. I had talked about eight separate shootings across Toronto over the last couple of days, with 11 other people being hit by bullets. There was a triple shooting at a packed nightclub on Queen Street, and a 15-year-old boy who was shot and killed on Saturday night. This was a grade 10 student in his first week of school at C.W. Jeffries. This is the same school where Jordan Manners was killed, and a boy drowned on a canoe trip. This officer, as you've been hearing in the news, was shot in the head as he sat alone at a table. Another man was shot in that restaurant before the suspect would uh, flee to another location where he'd shoot three others, killing Shaquille Ashraf, a father of three, and the owner of this mechanic shop in Milton. And then the suspect would be killed in a takedown by Hamilton police. And I'm going to put money on it right now, that this guy will be well-known to police, because as we well know, these days the bad guys go in, they come out, rinse, recycle, repeat. And as usual, we get all the two predictable, you know, shock and sorrow comments from all the politicians, who all very well know gun crime is ravaging our communities. Bonnie Crombie issued a statement last night saying, quote, in part, Like many residents across Mississauga, Toronto and Hamilton, I'm in utter shock and devastated in light of this deadly gun attack. And my first thought was, well, how is she shocked? Gun violence is daily. And if I were a cop today, I'd be feeling like a sit and duck. Because it's clear that those in charge either don't care enough to fix all this, or they're clueless to what officers are actually up against. That they are totally outmatched and unsafe because violent armed criminals are running all over Toronto and the GTHA shooting whomever they want, and they don't care if they get caught. They don't care who gets caught in the crossfire. That guy probably would look at killing a cop as a badge of honor. So how does a police officer today compete with that? You look at the stats, 289 shootings in Toronto this year, 30 killed by gunfire. So we're on track yet for another banner year of gun violence. But then you look to Peel, Halton, Hamilton, all communities seeing an escalation of gun violence. And there's simply no fear for those pulling the trigger that they're going to be caught. Because when they are, again, it's a badge of honour. They don't even try to hide what they're doing. They post their threats and settling scores for everyone to see on their social media. You know, communities across Toronto and the GTHA are not safe because, as gang expert Louis Marsh told me just 24 hours ago, almost at the same time I'm talking now, that those in charge refuse to do what they all know needs to be done.
0: The safe zones have been breached. That means that areas where you thought gun violence would not take place is now taking place on a regular basis. You could be walking down the street right now, and if your target's there, you could be involved in a crossfire. And this is why the city has to be more proactive and less reactive. I know they're doing the best that they can, but this is not a policing solution only, and we all know that. Talking about banning legal guns, we know that's not going to have an impact.
2: They know it. Yeah, they do. But even the things that they can easily do, they don't do. They all know, we know that they're not going to get the illegal gun stopped because no one's bothered to do it for decades. But they can do other things. I mean, Doug Ford, John Tory, Justin Trudeau, these guys all work together pretty well. And yet none of them have taken any steps to get tougher on bail or sentencing for gun crimes. Despite the fact that between 2015 to 2021, gun murders went up in Toronto by 77%. You know, we've watched decades melt away. We've seen no real investments into communities where the violence and crime festers. We've no, seen, you know, no real supports, mentorship programs, relationship building with police. I mean, the one program we did have with police and schools was taken down because ones of people were offended. And those in charge refused to admit that without proper intelligence gathering, they cannot and won't be able to stop those who now walk around armed and ready to kill anytime, anywhere. And this time, it cost a mechanic working at a shop his life and a Toronto cop ambushed while eating his lunch on his break. I don't know if I'm disgusted, saddened, uh, angry, or maybe just all of the above. But we're weeks away now from municipal elections across this province. And those in charge need to be held to account. If these latest killings, if this latest spree does not wake them up, nothing will. And I, yet I say that same thing. I said it when two little girls were shot playing in a playground broad daylight. I said that when a young boy was shot, killed while helping his mom carry groceries, when shots rang out in the middle of a raptor parade, or a man m- murdered July last July last in July, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, outside the Scotiabank while a Blue Jays game came out. I mean, on it, on it goes. I don't know what it's going to take to get some leadership here, but if none of these people can do it, then they deserve to be voted out because they have had plenty of time to get on this, and yet we get nothing. Hashtags. Sorry, it does not cut it. And the Special Investigations Unit, of course, they've taken over, meaning we're going to be blocked out of information for months, you know, as to learning how this happened, the motive, not that it'll ever make it better. And I understand the gravity of the loss, but it is not acceptable to be keeping the public in the dark for hours while an armed man was running around. I mean, we we should not have to wait months for basic answers. And that a cop has now been targeted eating lunch, uh, takes us into yet new territory. So what is next? I-, I wouldn't be feeling great if I were a police officer today. This guy was in traffic services doing a training exercise. He wasn't involved in some drug takedown. He wasn't doing a high-risk behavioral procedure. He was having a- lunch. We're going to talk to Dave Perry because uh, he was a former homicide cop, so he can speak to the complexities of this investigation because it is complex, but he's also he also knew this officer because... This constable was a young recruit in Dave Perry's platoon many, many years ago. So we're going to talk a little bit about who this man was. But, ser- but, but what will this mean for police moving forward? We've, ne- we've seen no real investment into the communities where the violence and crime festers. We've seen no real supports for mentorship programs, relationship building with police. And they won't admit that without proper intelligence gathering, they can't stop those who are now walking around fully armed and ready to kill with the zero fear. And this time it was a mechanic working at his shop that he probably thought was pretty safe and a Toronto cop who thought maybe he'd grab some lunch. You know, we're weeks away from elections across this province and it's time those in charge are held to account. I don't know what's going to wake them up at this point. Two little girls being shot in a playground in Toronto. Didn't wake them up. A young boy shot and killed helping his mom with groceries doesn't wake them up. Shots ringing out in the middle of a Raptors parade isn't enough. A man shot outside and killed at the Scotia Centre in July where a Jays game's getting out. On and on it goes. I do not know what at this point it's going to take to get leadership out there. But if they can't do it, vote them out. You know, we took your calls. What needs to happen, we asked. And Tom Dingwall, a retired Durham police officer with over 30 years' experience, He's now running to be the next mayor of Clarendon. If you're living in that area, take a look at this candidate because he's talking the right language. He called in with the very obviously, the, the obvious. There is no leadership to solve this.
3: I was with uh, Durham Police for 30 years. I just retired in February, and I was a lead investigator in homicide uh, for many years. And I can tell you that... Uh, you know the politicians tend to uh, try to make this about a legal gun issue. It is not uh, the mm-hmm. guns that are used primarily in homicides are not uh, legally purchased firearms. This is uh, this is an issue about politicians not taking a tough stance on punishment. Um, we have we have people carrying firearms that uh, should still be in jail from previous. Uh, previous serious criminal offenses and we're not taking it seriously we're not uh we're not holding our politicians to account and saying that if we truly want to get serious about gun crime we need to get serious about the punishment related to gun crime
2: and there are things that can be done look we can't arrest our way out of this and you can't jail your way out of this but we can certainly do much more about this and those in charge are not doing it and we're not forcing them to do it and that's on us all right we're going to continue talking about this A very busy show today. I'm Alex Pearson. This is 640 Toronto.
0: We need to be safe in our communities. We need leadership. We need coordination. We need to address these fundamental issues that we know are the root causes for the gun violence. And stop wasting our time by repeating the same old statements over and over again. You know, we're concerned, and so on and so on. Do something about it. Like, this is yeah. not the strong thing that I, I, that I have known, that I've lived in for over 50 years. We cannot ignore this crisis. This is, has to be a priority. I know they've got the Safe TO plan, but I need to see it now rolled out and the public made aware of the role that they can play in making sure that our city remains safe.
2: Absolutely. These people work for us. Elected officials work for us. We vote them in. We can vote them out if they're not doing their job. That is anti-gun and gang activist Louis Marsh. He uh, joined me Monday uh, in reaction to all the shootings over the weekend. And then, of course, hours later, we would learn of this violent explosion of gun violence with this officer being ambushed inside a Tim Hortons and another man, a father of three, shot and killed as he worked at his uh, shop, his mechanic shop in Milton. And, yes, we, we get all the typical thoughts and prayers and no tolerance and all that crap, but the bottom line is Louis Marsh and a number of other activists who have been working in this area trying to get help, trying to get supports for community, trying to talk to those in charge to say, here's how you get to the root issue and start solving it, and they are being ignored. So bottom line, there is no leadership at all on this Issue And that's why it's getting worse. Marcel Wilson, founder of the One by One movement, joining us now. It is great to have you, Marcel.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me, Alex.
2: Unfortunately, uh, here we go again. Um, You know, let me get your reaction. The fact that an officer uh, in uniform is targeted inside a busy Tim Hortons shot in the head. Uh, Does this take it to a new level in your mind?
1: Uh, Absolutely. Um, First, I'd like to send my condolences to P.C. Andrew Hall and uh, Shaquille Ashraf. Uh, What a tragedy and condolences to their family, but it's shocking, but it's not shocking. Um, This is a trend that we've been predicting for some time. People like myself, people like Louis March, um, seeing that the brazenness and the uptick of this kind of violence is, is ongoing. So nothing really shocks me anymore, and and hopefully you know this is a wake up call.
2: I, I I've said that myself. Uh, when two girls were shot in a playground, when shootings rang out at a Raptors' parade, when a little boy was shot carrying groceries with his mother, you know, in July there was someone killed outside the Scotia Bank. Every time Marcel we hear this, I think this has got to be the turning point, and then yet it continues, you know, and I suspect. Uh, that this would be seen as quite a bad badge of honor for someone who's living the gang life or, or carrying out these crimes,
1: uh, for sure. Um, the culture of violence has absolutely changed in that way. Where you know, back in my day, uh, it, when there when there was violence, it was sort of used as a t- uh, a tool in the toolkit. Um, you wanted to do the least amount of damage. Um, Mm -hmm. to bring and bring the least amount of attention to your group, your organization, to yourself, where that has completely flipped. It's completely 180. And it's going to get worse.
2: So when you say it's going to get worse, we already know it's a daily occurrence, which I mean, just because we don't report it does not mean it's happening. It's just it's happening so often that we've become desensitized to it. But do you get the sense now that we could see a run on, you know, targeting officers just to kind of score, settle or say, I'm tougher than you. Uh, look what I can do. Don't mess with my turf, et cetera.
1: Well, it's definitely a possibility. Um, you know, they say shootings have gone down, which is great uh, compared to last year. I think this year we're at after this incident, two hundred and ninety approximately
2: yeah, 200. Yeah. two hundred and eighty nine. Yeah.
1: Right, and if you think about it, that's almost a shooting per day, and the year isn't Mm -hmm. finished yet, you know. So we have to desensitize ourselves, and we have to resensitize ourselves, I'm sorry, uh, and start looking at this as a Canadian problem, as a Torontonian problem, an everyone problem, because most people have the attitude that, you know, this is not happening in my area, it's not happening to me, my kids are not involved in this garbage, But look what's happening. We're seeing this happen on Bay Street and Tim Hortons and in in nightclubs. You know, the the shootings over the weekend happened in a packed nightclub. You know, that could have been your your cousin, your aunt, your daughter, your son who got hit. We all have to start dealing with this as a community, as a city, as a nation.
2: Absolutely. It's everywhere. Uh, A nanny down the street from where I live had a gun pulled on her while well, she had two children under six with her, and then a woman down the street had the same gun pulled on her. It is- happening everywhere. I look at this also as a lack of leadership problem. You know, I had uh, Louis on the show yesterday. He's beyond frustrated. I mean, we've been talking about this so much, and you've been talking about this. Leadership doesn't exist on this because they're not listening to those who actually understand how to solve this. So I don't know if it's that they don't understand, that they just don't have the will, or that they just know they've allowed this to happen to a point where they can't get control of it. I'm not sure what the problem is. It's just that we are now living with it every day.
1: Well, I think there's there's a lot of miscommunication sort of happening here, and a lot of politi- well, politics. You know, I, I had a, recently had a meeting with uh, our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and the mm-hmm. Public Safety Minister Mendocino, and mm-hmm. we had proposed a national violence reduction strategy that we've been working on, calling mm-hmm. for a national violence reduction strategy task force, and this would include. The, you know, the multi-pronged approach that they keep talking about that never happens. You know, and this includes all levels of government, including uh, the bureau- uh, bureaucratic sector, um, mm-hmm. at the world mm-hmm. of academia, uh, boots on the ground, organizations like ourselves, media, corporations, all working together on a cohesive plan as to how to reduce the violence. Because we know what the root cause risk factors are now. We've been talking yeah. about them for years. Now we just need action items. We need tangibles.
2: Yeah, and we never get them. I mean, I I will continue talking about this because it's so beyond frustrating because I've been covering crime in the city on the ground since 2001, and and things that should have been better and we were promised would get better have gotten much worse. And you got a guy like Bill Blair, who was the chief of the Toronto Police for a long time. He's in the current government, and even he, Marcel, as you know, plays this game about legal guns, it's all about political posturing and making good headlines, then actually getting a solution. And so I say shame on all of them.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And I mean, there, there, are, there are some really really easy things to kind of tackle that are on the surface. Uh, things like cyber banging, cyber beefing, and cyber bullying. Things that are really in our yeah. face. Um, that are, you know, things that can be addressed by people in power, people who, are, are, who own these um, social media platforms. You know, we got to start mm-hmm. holding people accountable um, mm-hmm. for some of the things that are happening.
2: Yeah. I mean, there are the aspects of tougher bail conditions, tougher sentencing. That's one part of it, but it is a, it's not an overnight fix. That, that I think is a big problem for the politicians because they want the scores, you know, they want the pen, they want the points right away. But this is a, this should have been done two decades ago. We may not be in this position, but the bottom line is they've ignored the guns coming in. They've ignored these communities. They have not invested in mentorship programs or community centers and, and, this is where, you know, hope goes to die in these communities, and these communities are left to fend for themselves.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And the sad part is the residuals of this, the the aftermath, the people who are left, you know, to grieve over their family members or people who have been shot. Um, they're really, really, really lacking in the victim services side side of things. Yeah. There's no real support. There's nowhere for for people to go. And then what does this do? It breeds anger. Then when you see that the you know government bodies are not helping the way they could be or should be, um, that may leave someone to think, hey, you know what? I got to go out and handle this. I need to go out and you know avenge my brother. And and we're seeing a lot of this happening when we're when we're combating this on a boots on the ground level. That's probably one of our our biggest. Problems that we face is how do I tell a guy? How do I talk to a guy yeah. who 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 is you know just consumed with rage because he lost his loved one? How do we tell him not to pick up that gun and and go avenge his friend? So this will go on and on and on if we do not do something now. If we do not do something yesterday, but we're going to keep trying. Um, my organization doesn't depend on, on government funding per se um you know we we get out there we we make our own money uh, through lectures and speaking engagements we then in turn use our profits to get out mm-hmm. there and help community so we have to keep doing this work with or without the help but we need the help now
2: yeah well you got a platform here anytime you louie and the rest and i will keep this uh, in the headlines until we see that change marcel always appreciate your time thank you Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me. That's Marcel Wilson uh, with One by One Movement. They are the people doing the work. And he's right. The victims of crime get all the promises. They get used as props in all the photo ops, and then they're let down, they're lied to, and they're completely abandoned, and they go through a justice system that literally chews them up and spits them out. It is a terrible, terrible injustice. That too needs to be fixed.
3: Constable Hung is survived by his wife, two children, and his parents. I met with his family in their home this afternoon, along with John Reed of the Toronto Police Association to confirm the death of Constable Hung, who was a husband, a father, and a son. I committed to his family that they will have the full support of the Toronto Police Service every day going forward. This is devastating news for his family and for all members of the Toronto Police Service and our entire entire policing community. We will lean on each other while we work to support Constable Hong's family and each other in our grief.
2: And that is Toronto Chief James Rayner, clearly affected by the death of one of his officers, Constable Andrew Hung. of course learning that he was shot at close range as he ha- had lunch inside a Tim Hortons. This is the second Toronto police officer that James Rayner has uh, lost under his command. Don't forget, he is not full-time Chief that officer was uh, Constable Jeffrey Northrup. He was run down and killed in July of 2021. So that's a lot to deal with in one year. You know, the police are a very tight-knit community, and no matter, you know, where they are, hurt or killed, officers unite. And they have to unite more and more these days. Craig Bermel, the former head of the Toronto Police Union, put out a statement saying that he was a police officer in Toronto between 1978 and 2004. So he knew Constable Hung personally by and by reputation. He said, quote, he was a dedicated officer that got along with everyone. The type of police officer you want to show up when you need help, it is a massive Loss. Rommel also added that it's confusing to all of us, even the most experienced police officers, as to how this happens. So out in the open, in broad daylight, with video cameras everywhere, when you go to police training, no one prepares you for this. End quote. And he would be right. Dave Perry is a former homicide officer with Toronto Police, but also our 640 Toronto security analyst. And uh, thoughts to you, Dave. Obviously, uh, the brotherhood and the sisterhood run, runs deep, um, you know, among police. So I, I, I know it's a tough time. You also had a personal connection to this particular officer, who was a gentle giant. If you if you ask anyone who knew him,
3: yeah, that's the best description. And, and I know it sounds like a common one, but it, it certainly suits Andrew to the to the T. Um, I met him uh, when he was a new recruit. He actually, I was running a platoon out in Scarborough in 42 Division, and what stood out in my mind uh, was I got a call from this new recruit. Said he was starting on my platoon a week later, and he asked if he could come and meet me uh, beforehand. And I told him, "Of course you can. Uh, why? Why do you want to come in and meet me?" He said, "I'd just like to introduce myself." So, mm-hmm. you know, he sort of stood out in that way. And he, and then talk about standing out when he when he walked in my door. And he it filled the entire door. He's one of the biggest human beings I've ever met in my life, a big, strapping, strong young man with a, a great smile and and just so respectful and so kind and so gentle. That was my very first impression of Andrew and never changed uh, in, in the entire time that I knew him.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, it's hard to think, you know, he was part of the winged wheels motorcycle uh, unit at, at traffic services, um, you know. It, these guys don't go out thinking um, that when they go on a training mission, jurisdiction to jurisdiction, that, you know, going out for lunch, they could become a target. And so when you hear um, that an officer eating lunch literally was targeted and then the guy tries to take his gun as he's laying dying, what does that tell you about where we are headed now? Because I just talked to, you know, Marcel, who, who is intimately knowledgeable about gang violence, and this could very easily turn into kind of, you know, gangsters one-upping each other
3: yeah it's really hard to say alex what what exactly motivated this person to do what they did but you know there's a lot of red flags here obviously and a lot of a lot of questions that will have to be answered but it is getting more difficult for police officers to go out and do their job every day with the constant threat And it's not just a threat against police it's a threat against the community of gun violence and it's everywhere and you know what you hoped that it would never happen in the city of Toronto but here we are today the police officer from all accounts was minding his own business enjoying a break like everybody's allowed to do had no previous interaction with this person and he was he was simply executed for wearing a yeah. uniform and that's a frightening new level of violence in our, in our city and one that needs to be addressed right now
2: well you know I, it would be nice you know we're obviously moving in the wrong direction and and we must mention you know that um, you know, after the officer was killed, then you got Shaquille Ashraf, just a, a, a father of three. He's a mechanic. It's thought to be that this guy was he was the boss of the, of the gunmen, but he's dead now, too. And so we had this rash of violence following a weekend full of shootings in the city of Toronto. And I don't know what the turning point will be. I do know that this is going to be a complex investigation. You know, you've done these kinds of investigations. This one is three different police units. The SIU is now involved. I don't know when we're going to get any answers on this, um, but not nearly when we need them, which is now.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be slow in coming, especially as you and I have talked before. Once the SIU is involved, there seems to be this cloak of secrecy that goes over an investigation that can sometimes last for months, if not years, until we finally hear the outcome. This one's pretty simple to me. You've got mm-hmm. a man who went on a killing rampage. He killed a police officer in cold blood. He killed his poor boss, a family man, in cold blood. He shot it out with the police. There's not a whole lot of effort that needs to go into this one to understand what happened and that this was a very justifiable, justifiable shooting. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I has got to get their act together and get this done and get it out there fast. The public deserves to know. Certainly the families get deserve to know. And and all of the grieving police officers need to have an understanding of what happened here.
2: Well, they can't do their job if they're now looking over their shoulder even more than they do so now. I mean, if if police officers who, who go, I mean, it goes without question, Dave, and you know this, when you leave the house, you could be killed. That is the risk police officers take when they go into the line, uh, you know, into that line of work. Um, but, you know, if they don't have the resources, if they don't have the leadership, if they don't have people behind them giving them the tools uh, and, and basically the confidence to do their job, I don't know how they're going to do the job. And so my concern then becomes if it's going to take months to get the answers to this, we're going to have a bunch of politicians hiding behind that as their excuse not to do anything. And we've got mayoral elections coming up in six weeks where they should all be having to explain what they're going to do to solve something that they are all ignoring.
3: Oh, I couldn't agree anymore. You know, we've gone so far backwards in terms of the politics that have interfered with law enforcement and, and actually caused a rise in our violent crime rates, our shootings, our, our murders, our stabbings, and all of that as a result of really poor, weak need political decisions that have made that have impacted law enforcement. We all know what they are, street checks, yep. harding, street yep. investigations, running away from statistics that aren't backed by any real fact. And apologizing for those statistics when really what we should be doing is targeting crime period that's what police officers do by the way they don't target communities they target crime and if there's a crime filled area we need to get tavis back in we need to have all the resources that we need to get rid of the guns and the gangs and do what we have to do and we got to stop talking about you know someday we're going to do the social things that we need to do to stop guns and gangs in the meantime we got to keep a lid on this city and the violence and now we've got a dead police officer it's it's time for action not for talk that's that's truly what i believe right now
2: yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd love to have faith that that's going to happen. I'm just not so sure, uh, and I'll put money on it now, Dave, that all the signs will have been there that this guy was a ticking time bomb, that, that this guy will be known to police, because you don't just do something like this if you don't have a, a previous kind of background in it. Um, so, look, I think, once again, we're going to be like, woulda, coulda, shoulda, and, and it'll just kind of rinse, recycle, repeat.
3: Yeah, the fact he was driving a stolen car, ambushed a police officer, and murdered that police officer. Uh, we know where that gun is most likely to have come from. And yeah, the, the criminal past will likely be there. There'll be a, a whole pile of things that quite frankly frustrates the hell out of me that I don't know the answer to those today. We should know those answers by today.
2: Yeah. Just quickly, um, Dave, do you, I mean, you're a homicide cop for a long time. You have decades behind you. Do you ever remember policing being this scary?
3: No, I don't. Uh, you know, the, the stats will speak for themselves. And the number of people carrying guns out there speaks for itself. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in touch with law enforcement every single day. I have officers who have been surrounded by, you know, gang members who all are carrying guns and they're by themselves. And they've had to mm-hmm. disengage and, and walk away from an arrest of a, a person carrying a, a firearm you know, to make sure that they they were going to walk out of there alive. It's it's a scary, scary place out there. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about, you know, not wanting to go into the city anymore. I've heard open conversations about it amongst, you know, I've got adult children uh, hearing them talk with their friends and talking about plans to go in the city of Toronto. And, and and they're nervous. And a lot of times they say, no, I'd rather not, I'd just rather not go for dinner downtown Toronto or somewhere else in Toronto. I'd rather yeah. eat somewhere it's safer. Yeah. So, yes, it's changed police officers are feeling it uh i think most community members that are aware at least self aware of their own safety are aware of it and we you know quite frankly i think we've lost control of the streets in 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 the city of toronto
2: tend to agree dave uh thoughts with you i know that this is tough and uh, certainly to all your colleagues but i appreciate your uh, your vantage and your viewpoint thank you thank you that's dave perry saying all the things we already knew and um We'll see where this conversation takes us. It's extraordinarily frustrating, not to mention sad. That does end the show. Thank you, Mr. Cory Manuel. I thank you, Ms. Heather Purden. I thank the team. I'm Alex Pearson. This is 6:40 Toronto.